Welcome to Support Heroes by Kaizo, the number one source of customer support insights in the world of audio. I'm your host, Sebastian. Each week on the show, we'll be having insightful conversations with customer support professionals from some of the most well-known and exciting companies around the world. If you're looking to forward your career in customer support, this is the place to learn from those who have succeeded in doing exactly that. Our superstar guests are at the ready to provide you the lessons they learned from many years on the front line of customer support. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy yet another episode of Support Heroes by Kaizo. Mara, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Um, the, well, the week is almost over, so I am, uh, my head's already thinking about the weekend and everything to do there. So yeah, super excited about it. As is mine, as is mine. We'll just call it, call it the cherry on top, right, Mara? <laughs> the cherry on top of your week, the icing on the cake, as it were, the sweetness exactly. at the end. This is the dessert. Um, I know we were talking about it just before the, uh, the show, but it's customary here. How is the weather? I know you're in Portugal. Where about are you located? Yeah, so the weather feels pretty much like London, to tell you the <laughs> truth. This week, the entire week, actually, it's uh, very gray, uh, mm -hmm. raining all the time. So yeah, I'm I miss the summer. I do. <laughs> you could very well be British. You could very well be British. Nonetheless, I applaud your ability to get through it and to be smiling. Thank you. It's, so Mara, it, to tell you the truth, mm -hmm. it's the wonders of lockdown. It's good that yes. the weather's not good because yes. this way we don't regret uh, not walking outside. Honestly, I couldn't agree with you more. I always <laughs> thought it was cruel to have exams at the end of the year when it's summer, right? Because all of these kids have been cooped up in classes all year, right? And they're waiting to pass their exams. And then just as the weather gets good, that's when you're going to lock them up for the most. Unacceptable. Just change the school year. Don't start in September. Have it all be in winter. <laughs> Uh, but regardless, this is a this is a side point. Just qualms, qualms with the qualms with the weather. I mean, I am British. We have to talk about it. How could we not? You know? Exactly. So, Mara, the way we usually like to start the show is I have the guests tell us a little bit about themselves, where mm -hmm. they're from, etc. But most importantly, uh, what they do now and how they got into the CS industry. Um, I know we're going to talk about your history a little bit later, so don't feel the need to go into full detail. But just quickly, um, yeah, please, Mara, tell us about yourself. All right. So I am Portuguese, as I've told you before. I am 42, mother of one amazing girl um, mm. who's going to be 12, so pre-teens. Mm, she's almost sassy. Aha, uh -huh, exactly. Well, I think she's already there. Oh, is she? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and um, uh, I am actually currently, I'm VP customer support uh, at Pipedrive. Uh, been working uh, in customer service for basically all my professional life, mm -hmm. um, uh, more than 20 years now, so... Mm -hmm. quite a while um can't say that i uh uh went into this business thinking that oh i'm gonna be so happy doing this like yes i'm right. gonna in the pursuit of happiness no in the pursuit of paying bills uh that was the, <laughs> <laughs> the first you know that's how it usually starts <laughs> right that was the first thought um and then it kind of grew on me uh and yeah here i am today Wonderful, wonderful. So could you tell us a little bit about um, Pipedrive? Because it's obviously a very famous um, company, but just quickly kind of give us the long story short for anyone who hasn't heard of it. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So um, Pipedrive is a SaaS company. Um, it was founded in Estonia uh, back in 2010 by five amazing Estonian guys. Um, it's actually a CRM and uh, we have a great mission. Um, we support sales and marketing teams with easy to use and powerful tools that make their everyday routines easier and their goals faster to achieve also like all right. the way from finding and qualifying leads, managing sales, 
closing deals faster uh, to upselling and nurturing a customer relationship. This is, mm-hmm. this is pipe drive. Beautiful. Um, and I know that you guys, I think you're another one of the, the companies that kind of experienced huge growth with the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. How has that been for you guys in CS? Uh, a challenge with a capital C, <laughs> to yes, tell you the imagine. truth. Yeah, it's like uh, 2020, when, I, when everyone say uh, 2020 was a weird year, it was right. a very weird year because Pipedrive continued growing, uh, mm-hmm. but there was this period where uh, we needed to pause, like assess what was going on with the economy, with the world. We had a lot of customers also doing exactly the same, rethinking right. their, their uh, software, their, their entire businesses in some countries right. because we are international. Um, so, so, yeah. As the front line for uh, every customer issue, uh, good or bad, support had to adjust. It was a, a year of uh, change and adjustment um, and very challenging. Like we, we needed to move to fully remote in two days, mm. an entire operation. Um, and yeah, but with, with, with time, we actually need, needed also to adjust and, and evolve as, as a customer service team. Mm-hmm. but but it was an amazing year it's, it was mm. one of those years that makes the team formative yeah 100%. exactly that's the interesting thing about human beings right it's when one suffers usually that's when one grows the most and those are the moments that really define you and your journey as a human um it's quite bittersweet it's those negative experiences that form you more than anything else and you almost have to be most grateful for those negative experiences because more often than not those are the ones that really kind of leave an impact on you right but kind of expanding that to cs it's something that we've heard a lot on the show for from these SaaS SaaS companies that kind of picked up their activity during the pandemic and it's Mm -hmm. such an interesting thing about support too right because that huge growth in revenue like sales marketing uh they're they're stoked they're boosting they're like oh it's amazing you know but support is this um very how should i say sobering department because mm-hmm. it isn't all good, right? And whenever you have that extreme growth, you kind of have to deal with it in a whole different way. Um, and it's a really interesting relationship. But I have to say, um, you're in good company. I know that companies like Miro, Zapier, all of these have experienced this insane growth and, and no one's had it figured out. Um, and that's another thing that I find really admirable about speaking to a lot of the, the people that we've had on the show. It's that you can never have it figured out. And yeah. I think because support is so deeply integrated with their employees, I think that support leaders have to be kind of very honest with themselves about what's going on because they see the effects of the kind of general emotional social activity in their team through the work of their agents. Yeah, true. So it, 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 it's funny that uh, in 2019, we were planning the year for 2020. Um, mm. And <laughs> when we finished planning the year, right, it's, it's amazing uh, plan for support. Everyone mm. was like, okay, and let's stick to this plan like our yeah. our entire goal is deliver this be on point and like stick to the plan suddenly mm-hmm. this year when we were building our plan the conversation was like and don't worry if anything changes we'll change too we will adjust we know that like we know what we can waive and we know what we could uh, rebuild or do different so the mindset changed and it changed forever right right that the the dna of the team actually changed with the uh, with all all of these growing pains basically and mm. and well and 2020 for you right right so just to kind of 
tell us a little bit more about the setup that you guys have? So I know you have a large operation in Lisbon, but do you have people housed kind of internationally as well? Yes. So uh, support is now um, spread across the globe, uh, four different mm -hmm. locations. Uh, the majority of the team is based in Lisbon. This is where we right. do the 24-7 rotational shifts. This is where we have all our non-core languages. So our core languages are English and Portuguese. This is the majority mm -hmm. of the customer base. Uh, and then we have also French, Spanish, um, German speakers based in Lisbon. Luckily for us, mm -hmm. it's a sunny country and we have uh, <laughs> the ability to acquire different uh, nationalities there to, to mm -hmm. work with us. Uh, but we also have a very good operation based in Tallinn in Estonia. That's where the mm -hmm. company was founded. That's where actually customer support was, um, uh, was started. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and we do have a team there. Uh, they basically cover the morning shifts for us, right. and so different time zones. And then we have also teams in Florida and in mm -hmm. the States that cover uh, later time zones and the team members in New York, too. Okay. And this year, we're also uh, getting people in Berlin. So Ooh, another location. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, what, th three rainy places and two sunny places. So you're kind of evening it out, you know, you very can't have, good uh, balance. Too many people in the sun because they're just kicking back too much. You have to have some serious people in the rain as well. Um, <laughs> I just I just need to try not to travel directly from Florida to Tallinn because yeah, the, that's, that's quite a leap. Yeah, that's quite a leap. I would agree. I would agree. Um, so one of the things that we spoke about before we jumped on the show was this wealth of experience that you've had. So if um, you don't mind, I'd like to kind of connect some of the things that you're working on now with some of your experiences because i think it's very cool and interesting for people to hear about not only the strategy but kind of where this strategy was birthed within people right mm -hmm. because at mm -hmm. the end of the day we're not robots and our, our our experiences and and the 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 formative things that happen to us influence the way we feel about these things so could we talk a little bit about your experiences um with international teams because i know that in your history um you worked at outsourcing companies particularly in telecommunications and these were kind of like some of your formative years, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. So could you talk to me just a little bit about the lessons you've learned within that particular industry? And we can maybe go into some of the details um, and then we'll expand out from there. Uh, sure. So around the topic of working with international teams, um, mm -hmm. the main struggle, uh, probably most people would say, oh, it's, it's about distance. It's about geography and like get, being closer to people. It's actually not. It's it's about right. culture and the the details of uh, and the differences in culture that you need to respect and incorporate. So when you when you have an international team, you cannot think one model will fit all because sometimes mm. it won't. Yes. So you need to incorporate and respect those differences um, mm -hmm. so that they they all feel like one team regardless of where mm. they're based, what language they speak, what kind of uh, work they do, because they work for support and they understand why there are differences between them. So, so right. yeah, I think that for me was the main challenge is like respecting uh, cultural differences and, um, uh, and ha also having in mind that with different geographies, different countries, there's different legal uh, frameworks. So uh, that mm. brings differences too within the same team. And we also need to abide by them. Yeah, absolutely. So could we talk a little bit about how you kind of gather that information? Because at the end of the day, it's about trying to figure out human beings' preferences. Mm -hmm. And my background is in uh, partially in psychology. 
and humans really aren't good at, at analyzing their own preferences, um, especially self-reporting them. Yeah. So how do you, um, being a VP and being located in Lisbon, then kind of gather this information and integrate it into your greater strategy? Yeah. Well, uh, most of the times it doesn't really come with any books you read. It comes yep, by exactly. talking to people, um, experimenting, trying, mm -hmm. trying and failing, uh, actually. Yes. I, and I have good stories around that. So I remember mm. that I, um, when I joined Pipedrive, we had a challenge to be more responsive, right? Be faster right. at tackling uh, customers because we, have, we do have a, a good mission. Uh, fast, useful answers with a human touch. The fast part nice. of the equation, we needed to work on that. And so I went, I traveled to different locations to speak with the team members and to understand like, okay, where do you see the challenges and trying to uh, incorporate some feedback and, you know, implement change fast. Right. So I went to Tal and I spoke with the team and they were like, you know, we need balance because it's a lot of information coming our way and we, we need stability, one conversation at a time to really think. It's like this was their mindset and there, right. there's got to be balance, right? And mm -hmm. I said, yeah, makes, makes sense. I cannot kill the team um, in, in, in the effort of being faster. So I yes. need to slow down, build a cap. So I went mm -hmm. with my systems manager and I told him, we need to build a cap in our system, right? In our CRM. Cool. Then I traveled to New York and they were like, we need to be faster, Mara. Basically, you want us to be <laughs> faster. It's like, why do people take breaks? I mean, you know, it's like, it, and I was like, Jesus, it's same team, different Very cultures, different. different mindsets. And I was like, okay, mm. I need to balance this and people need to understand the why. I need to have a, a global framework, but respect the differences and have them in mind, you know? Right. So, yeah, right. sometimes I, uh, I implemented things and then understood, all right, different people feel them differently. And sometimes it is because of uh, culture yeah. and geography. Sometimes it's just because we're human. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with, yeah, exactly. With now more than 100 people in support, one thing that I know is that I cannot please everyone. I am not mm. pizza, I say, mm, uh, yeah. but yeah, we, we try our best. <laughs> yeah. Well, even some people don't like pizza. Heaven knows what's going on with them, but exactly. there are some. <laughs> no, I think it's very refreshing because it is a human endeavor. And that's another thing that we kind of touched on before we, before we jumped on recording, right? It was that because support is a very populous department, mm -hmm. right? And because it's a very social and emotional department with regard to communication being intimate and peer-to-peer. -peer. You have to be very aware of how people are doing and, and what's going on, right? And that's why I find it so interesting to talk to support leaders particularly. And it's also why I've really bought into support being a great place to grow your career, especially as a leader, because you can't really hack it, right? You can't really fake it. Um, if people feel bad, service levels are going to go down. Yeah. And I think something that's very motivating and really cool for me is that you're so okay and open with, hey, we're going to figure things out. Let's try things. It's not, it's not going to be perfect, you know? And that, exactly as you said, it just stems to humans being humans. We're not, we're not very good at reporting our preferences. We're not very good at predicting our behavior into the future. So it's inevitable that you're going to try things and, and they're going to go well and they're going to go not so well. I think as a leader, it's just important not to take that personally, right? As oh, you said, for sure. don't, don't be offended that you're not pizza. Yeah, exactly. If you want to be a leader, just make peace with the fact that 
uh, not everyone will like your decisions. You will fail. Yeah. Everyone will fail once upon, once in a while. And uh, it's it's human. It's okay. It it makes you actually more human to the eyes of your your teams, which is also Indeed. good in the in the end. Indeed. It's all about learning from uh, the mistakes, moving forward, uh, and and trying to be better for next time. As as with every job, I would say. Mm-hmm. No, I, I really agree. And it's actually something that Chelsea Baker said in an episode we released not too long ago. She said that vulnerability is one of the most important aspects of being a leader. And it's one of the least talked about, right? Because it's not super sexy. Um, it, everyone yeah. wants to be the person that has it all figured out. But, you know, no one, Elon Musk, Albert Einstein, no one has it all figured out. So I think that vulnerability, as you said, really makes you human. And I think you need to kind of accept that yourself and also portray that to others because you want everyone to have realistic expectations of each other. Um, but on the flip side of this kind of human element, right, um, it can't all be gut feeling and, and social reporting. Um, and something else that we spoke about with regard to these international um, experiences that you had in the past was mm-hmm. there was kind of a, an evolution that happened within you in understanding the numbers and applying the numbers, yeah. right? So could you talk to me a little bit about the intersection of these two things? Because as someone who's very aware of cultural differences and different expectations, you have to then integrate that into your reporting and into your numerical backbone, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, support is an operations uh, division. We live and we die by our operations. So numbers are intrinsically involved with that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, I started from execution, doing, Mm. to then managing whoever does it, to then understanding why they're doing the way we're doing and what what the numbers are are telling us. And, and now I'm in the business of working these numbers towards getting teams to work faster and better going forward right. and do more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I, I was very lucky because I started uh, in customer service as a customer service representative uh, yep. back in uh, the year 2000. So I was taking inbound phone calls uh, Hundreds a day. It was hectic. Mm-hmm. I was working for an outsourcing company, which was good. I have this perspective of what outsourcing companies uh, do and how they work and how their employees also uh, perform and what's expected. Right? I have that that vision uh, already, and um, and I was just caring about people. That's and and to today when I hire people, I look for that ability, right, to care. The ability that to social care. awareness exactly. So um, I I got promoted um, and uh, I got promoted to manager back then and then coordinator. Um, so I had an understanding of so I'm doing this, but this has an impact. And if if I'm doing this, it and and all my colleagues are helping, we will get to to we will attain this level of satisfaction or this level of. Um, trial to pay conversion for customers. So I, I got an understanding of, all right, what's the actual impact, not for a person, but for the business, right? Mm. And I was just, I was working for a national uh, tele- telecommunications company at the time. Um, and I, I wanted to see what was out there and how international companies worked, what, what the difference was. Mm. So I, I was lucky enough to move to an international telecommunications company and work uh, coordinating and outsourcing partners. So it was great because I once worked where they were uh, standing. Mm. So I had the ability to 
have smooth conversations with them. The negotiations went. You understood their perspective. Exactly. The the conversations were great. We weren't just, we were partners actually. We weren't just a customer Mm. uh, demanding numbers. So that worked uh, very nicely until we were acquired by a big national telecommunications company. Mm. And that's where my career shifted. So I was coordinating customer service and then I had um, the opportunity to become a projects manager. Um, Mm -hmm. And this was completely different because I lost the connection with a team, an operation, and I was working uh, managing projects that also took an impact in customer service, but was Mm -hmm. just looking at the numbers and proposing solutions, right? Right. Uh, So I was mainly working with key stakeholders to to move things around, which was mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I, mm. I worked within the marketing organization and within customer support, customer service. So I had two visions um, of, of the business. Interesting. Yes. It, it, and it helped me kind of balance things out because if you're just looking siloed at customer service, you might always feel that you're alone and like you're doing mm. and and you're fixing everyone's mistakes, but you need to understand mm. why sometimes decisions are made uh, through marketing and product and engineering and, and understand that sometimes it, you know, the business needs to go through that, those decisions. It's give and take. Exactly. And, and support yep. needs to be there, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and I had a great opportunity to work for a PMO around customer experience management. What's a PMO, sorry? So it's, it's a, a project management office. Uh, oh, okay. And we just dedicated to customer experience management frameworks, initiatives, um, everything around uh, around customer experience, customer journey mapping, exactly, exactly. Understood. So, understood. so when I was in that PMO, um, I was also helping manage projects around customer experience, and uh, mm. and that was another uh, view of the customer, level. right? That, for yeah. sure. And, and that gave me deep understanding of not only very good models and frameworks to improve customer experience and really map uh, what the customer is doing and perceiving when, when, they, right. when they do anything with, with your product, mm-hmm. uh, but also understand that if, you're not, if you don't apply customer centricity, to the, if you don't inject it into the organization's DNA, nothing happens, right? right? You cannot just say, yes, let's do customer journey mapping and let's all map a customer experience if people don't care about the customer, right? right? So we did a lot right. of cool initiatives around culture uh, and specific customer uh, experience management frameworks. Mm-hmm. And I think I, ho- like I got the 360 view of the customer with, with those mm. uh, ex- experiences. But to tell you the truth, uh, six years into that experience, I was really missing having a team. Uh, you know, mm. when, you, when you're a stakeholder and you ask, so you, you want to implement something in customer support or in, in a specific team, and you're like, ah, if, if only that team was mine. And I, I started mm, feeling yeah. that, you know, I want to yeah, yeah. mobilize people, but like, let's, let's, I want to have them to, to, for myself to, to make something, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, so, so that's when I decided to move into, to venture out into, um, the startup world because the telecommunications world is very corporate, very structured. 
you feel that you you're kind of on top of everything and you have very mm-hmm. clear kickoffs and roadmaps and you know um, right it's structured very structured and i i felt like i can really create a bigger impact if i i go and venture to the with the startup mm. world and to tell you the truth and um, before we step to the next part of your story yeah. could i quickly interject because i actually had a question about the the point that you just made because mm-hmm. i think something that you really kind of pertinently identified was that you know, you kind of had this stepping back process, right? Uh, initially, you were particularly involved with support on a hands-on being a representative mm-hmm. and then managing support. And then you went into this role where you were integrating kind of support into marketing and then also kind of undergoing this process of understanding customer experience and seeing this like customer journey in its totality, right? And I think that especially talking to high-level people, you know, one person that comes to mind is Sue Morris, who worked at GitHub. Um, and Microsoft and Vodafone before that, um, super smart lady, really recommend checking out that episode. Um, and she kind of spoke to us about this overall view and the fact that you have to integrate every aspect of the customer journey into business strategy. And only then can you really start satisfying customers in its totality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that something a lot of support leaders kind of struggle with is exactly as you said, they're very involved with support. You know, Matt Dale said it's about being Q focused, you know, going from a like an agent to a team lead, you're, you're super Q-focused, and then you need to go from a team lead to a manager, you need to be less Q-focused. But even at that kind of head of support VP role, a lot of people could be very involved with their department. And something I found really pertinent that you mentioned was that, um, I can't remember the exact word you used, but it could be difficult for the support person to then kind of uh, feel like they're, they're asking things of other departments and they're kind of lagging behind. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the, the, the sense that I got yeah, from you. Yeah. And it's kind of difficult to lead that dance in a way, right? Because especially if your company view support as a cost center, for example, or if that strategy kind of isn't integrated into the overall business mm-hmm. strategy, it can, it can be hard to feel as though you're leading the dance. Um, so what I wanted to really ask was that, how do you feel about the place of support within this larger scheme of, of values and strategies? And for those people that are trying to instigate such a shift, right, towards kind of customer experience and valuing every part of that and then integrating that into product marketing, et cetera. Um, Where would you say are kind of the key things that businesses need to understand in order to kind of successfully marry these things together? Mm -hmm. Because I feel as though it's easier and better for everyone if we all just kind of marry the strategy together and create some sort of coherent picture, but it's hard to do sometimes. Yeah, I think, uh, well, uh, if only all businesses did this, understand that Mm. all all their employees need to go through support uh, during their onboarding, for instance, to mm-hmm. understand what is being done there. Because everything that they will uh, decide upon or implement that goes the wrong way will go there, right? right. So they need to feel the pain that they're causing customers <laughs> yeah. and and employees that deal, exactly yeah. that deal with them. That's the first thing. So mm. I, like really be sensitive to that. I, I need to understand mm. exactly w- what's going on and what, what the pain points are. And if I do this, it will hit them there. Yes. And actually do support. So we have this implemented mm. in Pipedrive. They, uh, everyone, engineers, product managers, like everyone goes through onboarding and they spend wow. an afternoon in support shadowing and then taking some chats and emails okay so oh really they actually oh, do so this cool. yes yeah oh yeah mm. yeah and and it's very good because you start also building your network right and if right. you're a developer or a pm or an engineer and you're doing something and you're 
you wonder, oh, but like what what are customers saying about these things? And and if yes. you don't have the numbers to speak for you, you have your your grid, your network, right, of contacts because yes. you've been there, you've met people. So this is very healthy to establish from uh, day one with any employee in the company. I mean, the CEO mm-hmm. should sometimes answer, take some chats. Is that serious? Can you believe it? I don't. I don't know <laughs> so what funny. I said. Oh, but don't Siri worry. just answered. Siri's like, I want to join in, please. <laughs> I have things to say. And it's Brazilian, Siri. <laughs> oh, it is? Wait, what? Not Portuguese? It's, Portuguese? So Brazilian Portuguese? Imagine, we don't have a Portuguese Siri. So every time <gasps> no. I'm driving and I want a, a Siri to call someone, I have to speak in Brazilian, like with this really... Oh, imagine my goodness, yourself, really? Oh, yeah. Imagine yourself like okay, having so to speak Okay, so for anyone American. who doesn't know... So for any, yeah, exactly. That's a perfect example. For anyone that doesn't know, um, you know, if now you're in the know, uh, Brazilian Portuguese and Portuguese Portuguese is a little bit different. And we have certain disagreements about who's better and what sounds better, et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to get into it. Um, but nonetheless, I think you gave the perfect example. It's like someone British, like, hey, Siri, can you give me? No, 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 please don't make me do that. Don't make me do that. I don't want to do that. No one wants to do that. But um, I do it all so the no, time. I completely understand. Yeah, but you have to. You do what you have to, you know, uh, dirty workarounds, uh, as it were. But no, I, I think that's really powerful, right? Because psychologically speaking, from the perspective of those developers, it's hard to humanize their users, right? And maybe they get feedback, but it's communicated to them in largely quantitative terms, 62% of people like this feature, blah, blah, blah. And maybe some communications manager is responsible for communicating to them some of their qualitative feedback. But I can't overstate how psychologically difficult it is for those people to then humanize uh, the people that they're actually affecting, right? And that's both in the sense of the employees that they're working with within support, but most importantly, their, their, their customers. Right. Um, and it, again, it's no slight on them. It's purely a result of, you know, the, the human mind and, and neurological architecture. Um, it really isn't a slight on anyone, but it's so cool that you guys do that, you know. And was that something that was there kind of within Pipe Drive before you arrived? Was this something that you kind of help implement? Talk to me about the story. there. Yeah, no, it's it was it was already uh, pretty much embedded in the um, in the recruitment and onboarding structure. Yeah, wow. it's like it. it, it mm-hmm. I was actually amazed at. All right, I don't need to pitch and force this. That's right? amazing, right? Yeah, it's for like, sure. Oh, breath of fresh air. Uh, I also worked with uh, uh, for uh, again an international telecommunications company where we had this event. Uh, it was an annual event where everyone did support. Right, so every exec, every big. VP director. Humbling, huh? Oh yeah. It was you don't yeah, yeah, imagine yeah. the change. Like the following oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. week, a lot of processes revamped, a lot of fine tunings there, just because they had to deal with it. You know, it's like not mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. deciding, but actually voicing that decision over to a customer. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I think it's the same about forcing someone to work in a restaurant or something because you know, you think you're a big shot, you think you got it all handled, you know, you're the super university grad, like super smart, like blah, 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 wear a suit. And then you get put into like a hectic service within a restaurant, right? And you've got customers yelling at you, you've got chefs yelling at you, you drop something and everyone sees and it's the worst thing ever, you know, it's humbling. And I think it's good for everyone. Uh, the important thing too, is just to, to not take yourself too seriously. Oh, for sure. right? yeah. And I think it's very hard to, to manage one's ego. And um, particularly in, in, in the West, I think, we're not really given uh, an education in how to deal with your ego. I think the East, they, they have a much better uh, way of teaching people these sorts of things. But, but nonetheless, I think it's so cool that this was implemented, right? And 
how and where did you really see the value um, and the kind of operational and day-to-day of these processes, right? Both at Pipe Drive and the company that you were mm-hmm. at before, because you kind of said it was something a little bit surprising to you. Um, what were the real differences between those that didn't implement such a strategy or such a process um, and those who do? Yeah. Uh, so, well, the big, big difference is customer centricity. When you don't have that in your DNA, mm. you basically apply your decisions regardless of what impact it will take on customers. Uh, and you just want things to get done with, right? But yeah. to to see shifts within these organizations happening uh, organically, it's way harder because then, right. then you don't have your organization working with you. They just work for you. It's very different. It's like right. it's the heart is not there. You're just doing it because processes tell you to do things. When you yes. have these organizations that are customer-centric, that really care, uh, and that everyone is concerned with the customer, that means that everyone is concerned with support and the activities that you do right. every day, right? So right. when things get um, hard, uh, support mm. doesn't really say, oh, man, like, I'm, I'm out. No, no, no. Instead, we go, all right, like, all hands on the on, on, on desk and let's, let's do this, right? Um, right. It's it's different. It's kind of it feels like one team instead of very mm-hmm. um, different teams, different departments, different silos. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. a big and that siloed. Oh, a, a big difference also is um, we we get our feedback incorporated into decisions, so we are actually mm. included into decision making, and this is is something that I don't see in corporations where again. They're not customer centric. So support is not invited to, you know, for round tables where big mm. business decisions are made. And in, in customer centric uh, companies, I always sit at the table. Yes, absolutely. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing because, you know, I think if you were to think about sort of optimal business strategy, right? And if you really work business down to its absolute core, um, people talk about, you know, delighting customers, satisfying customers, building good relationships, building long-term relationships. Um, if you take any of these objectives, how could you not consider the customers you're selling to, right? Exactly. It's like you take a marketing course. What do you learn about? You learn about psychology. You learn about decision-making. You learn about humans. You learn, you know, you go into sales. If you want to do like a sales course, what do you learn about? You learn about humans. You learn about customers. You learn about yourself. You learn about the people you're talking to. It's quite odd, this habit that human beings have of taking the humanity out of things, especially with regard to activities and topics that are so human-centric. And it's so strange, right? I don't know what it is about sort of if it's a cultural thing or if it, we were always like this. Uh, I tend to think that this is something that's learned. It's a cultural and social phenomenon of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. But um, it is quite strange, right? Because I think the other thing that we've kind of seen, especially in the 21st century, and I think this is the beauty of the internet, is that customer-centric companies are kind of getting ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah. You look at the major SaaS companies, you look at the, you know, the Amazons, the, to a lesser extent, Apple, but, you know, well, at, the, at least at their outset, they were, they were that way. Um, they pull ahead. Because they understand, they, they think about the customer, they're obsessed with the customer. And I just feel as though moving forward, businesses ought to make this shift. And I think it is somewhat of a uh, transition period that we're in right now of the old way, I'm doing inverted commas, 
um, and this new way that we're that we're seeing. Yeah, I agree. And and we are like we're also a very good source of of voice of the customer, right? If if you don't listen to your customer, you can implement a lot of things that probably they they don't want or they don't or they don't even know how to use right so you build yep. this amazing product but people are lost or stranded so what's the point yep. if you don't listen you just go why don't they buy you know why <laughs> so it's very very important obviously research is there too uh there's tons of ways to get um uh customer feedback but Support is your customers actually reaching out to the customer, to the company and asking for help. So these are the right. ones you should not avoid and you should definitely listen to. If you incorporate right. these, these lessons that you take from those customers, you, you can always, and it can just go better, right? There's no mm -hmm. other way. But I think for most corporations, it's a challenge these days because more and more time is money and you need to dedicate time to really listen and understand and it's not right fortunately for us ai is already playing a big key on getting the quantitative elements in and like really structuring voice of customer somehow in a way that is mathematical and very logical and easy to to visualize but mm -hmm. you need to understand like deep uh, do deep dives and understand customer experience and sometimes it requires a lot of time so it slows mm -hmm. down some, some, some of the decisions, but right. you make better decisions in the end. Mm -hmm. That's the trade-off. Absolutely. So you're investing into machine learning models and things to that effect to analyze customer feedback, I would imagine, and kind of categorize it into buckets. And then you're using those buckets to then have informative conversations about the content of those tickets. Yes, exactly. So what we're doing um, is we're... Uh, using AI to categorize our incoming conversations and really understand the trends, right? The big clusters of topics that, that customers are um, referring to, if it's a pain point or if it's a need or if it's something that we mm -hmm. haven't yet implemented. And so it's, it's a requirement for product to take into uh, mm -hmm. mind for the future. And then we, we are building these feedback loops into the organization, wherever they make sense to be um, uh, driven to, to get that feedback out. Um, we right. also use the, that feedback internally within the customer support um, department because we do have our efficiencies also uh, to keep in Absolutely. mind and, and things that are not working because of the way that we, uh, our own MO, right? So there's things mm -hmm. to adjust internally. And we also use it to adjust internally. But creating feedback loops and passing them over to the organization um, and in an automated way is, is key for us these days. Right. And I think something that's really interesting and something that's kind of an aspect of this whole conversation is the evolution of the customer support playbook, right? And that this is kind of closely tied to A, the amount of customers and revenue you have, but then, you know, by virtue of that, B, the amount of money you actually invest into support. Mm -hmm. um, so something I'd really like to dig into is something we spoke about before, um, was actually something we spoke about before the, the recording. And it was that you kind of went through your career, right? And you finally arrived at a point where you have all of these resources available to you and you can implement AI and you have all these like goodies in your bag and you can kind of do all of it. You know, it's so exciting. Um, but having gone through that whole process, because, because you've kind of undergone this evolution and having been able to 
have the playbook at the beginning of your career and then into the intermediary of your career and then now having all these resources accessible to you now Mm -hmm. um where would you say are the real kind of value points of things that you would have loved to have had at the middle of your career at the beginning of your career that maybe weren't around um, or just weren't available Mm -hmm. because i'm trying to put myself in the shoes of someone that maybe has access to one thing you know they can choose one of these many many things that you've spoken about um what would you say is that kind of like that thing that you'd reach to straight away if you had to start over yeah well hmm. all right workflow automations like uh modern uh, crms are amazing and they're really Mm -hmm. really helping us i mean back in the days we had to do everything manually so it it was only only customers thought that everything was being done automatically right because we were so good on the phone but we were doing mm-hmm. everything manually. So all the new CRMs, the, the, the technology behind customer service these days that really works for efficiencies, the bots that really help with, uh, with simpler, easy to, to answer queries, automatic translations that help you understand oh, right? a different yeah, language and like all right let's engage in a conversation it's okay that i don't speak german because i do understand it anyway i have a tool that allows me to do so uh, but honestly i wouldn't change the path i took uh, why mm-hmm. because i learned i learned it uh, manually yes and i find that mm-hmm. these days sometimes i i I put a challenge to my team and they think, all right, automations and like big, beautiful dashboards and everything. It's like, let's do it in four weeks. And I go, no, let's do it in four hours. Beautiful spreadsheet. That's just what, you know, that's my (laughs) aim. It's okay. So it's that trade-off to to Mm -hmm. make, because I, you know, I did the manual and I know how to do the manual or if anything shuts down, you know, we can still know how to do things because we, we shift, we take two steps back uh, and, and we adjust. Um, also, some decisions, we always need to think, all right, it, feels, it may feel like we have endless resources and endly, endless people, but sometimes mm-hmm. things change, businesses change, business needs, and we need to adjust and like, perhaps downsize or think of the the operational models in a different way having been there and done that and like lived through it every change i think i'm ready for it right because i've lived Mm -hmm. i've gone through it so i wouldn't really make have make my my present my my past any different any easier because i think i Mm -hmm. the learnings uh helped me be the professional i am now Mm. Well, I think that's so cool for people to hear because essentially what you said is you don't always have to reach for the shiny thing. True. You don't always need the tool. Like you, you can figure it out. And I think that's so awesome because all of those like medium level companies that can spend a little, but they don't want to spend that much, you know, which is fair enough because each to their own. The managers can then say, hey, I don't, I don't need that fancy tool. I don't need all these things because... Yeah, maybe at the end of the day, it might be more convenient. It might be a little bit nicer for us all. But that 20%, that 15% of added benefit doesn't account for that huge spend, right? And I think that is a very 21st century mindset that because we're so used to having our needs just delivered to us, right? I think that people, oh, you know what? I've got the perfect, I've got the perfect analogy. When the Americans went to space, um, they needed something to write with, right? 
So they um, invented a pen that worked in space. When the Russians went to space, they just brought pencils. That's it. It's like they just brought pencils. Just use pencils, guys. Yep. You know, um, and this whole like you know investment. I don't know. I can't remember the exact number now, but but there was a number quoted in in wherever I read or, or heard this um, of the investment that NASA made. And you can just imagine the Russian space agency. They essentially saved that money because they just brought pencils. Um, and that's the kind of again, it's about being humble, you know, yep. and about realizing that it's okay, you know. There's other ways to do things, and one way might not always be the best way, but at the end of the day, it's mostly about your intention and about the amount of work you put in. Um, and I think that's also why I really, really wanted to have that conversation with you regarding strategy and things, mm -hmm. because within support, I think it's quite easy to feel to feel lost because you're always between stakeholders. You're always between the customer and the company or between marketing and the customer or between, you know, you, you're already always pulled in different directions. And sometimes I think it's difficult for people to kind of have an understanding of where their allegiances lie. You know, my allegiances lies to my agents, my allegiances lie to the company, my allegiances lie to the customers. So I think given that kind of decision frame, um, it's difficult to create clarity sometimes. And then you have the added pressure of always having to do things efficiently and do things with the, the, the fewest costs um, possible. Mm -hmm. um, Mara, we've actually come somewhat to the end of the conversation, which bums me out oh, wow. a bit because... <laughs> I've really enjoyed this and I feel like we've only touched the surface, but I say this every episode, but you know, I think particularly with this one, we had like this laundry list of things we wanted to get through and I'm kind of like a kid in a candy shop at this point. Um, <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll just, um, I'll say to you, is there something that we didn't touch on that you'd really like to talk about today? Because we have ample time if you would. Um, if not, I can, I can set us off on one or more two things. Well the only thing that I actually didn't say, and I think it's very, very important also to say, is that we I talked about the creating the feedback loops, right, from support yes. into the organization. Actually, I had a question about that. <laughs> and equally important is the other way around working too, right? Us being mm -hmm. involved in what decisions are, are being made, uh, what features are going to be launched, what marketing campaigns are going to be sent. Uh, if we're going right. to change pricing, if, if we're going to go to another geographies ahead of time and again being included in the decision making i am very very mm -hmm. fortunate to work for a company that never forgets to liaise with support um and mm -hmm. for instance we go as far as no feature is launched if we don't say you can go because we need to guarantee that we mm -hmm. have all the documentations ready people trained because you know, our experts need to be experts in the matter before people yes. start calling us. We cannot learn that a new feature is is in from a customer, right? Yes, uh, yes. And so we have this ability to say, please, it's a no-go until like two days, two weeks, whatever time we need to be ready. Right. Um, and so I think the the feedback loops are important all the way around not just from support mm -hmm. within for uh, the, the rest of the organization, but the way the other way around will need to work too. If not, right. we will always be surprised and not ready to tackle customers. And ta customers mm. are super sharp. They, 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 they feel this, right? Yes. And actually having worked in the telecommunications companies, this happened all the time. It's like, Oh really? Mm -hmm. A new campaign? Ha ha! Let's me let's see if I can <laughs> you know let's see if I can uh, learn all about it in five minutes because I didn't know. 
Um, and oh, they said they'd give you those rates, did they? Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Oh, right? great for marketing. This happens <laughs> today. This happens in telecommunications. But yeah. uh, that's a learning I, I took. And I, I really try to pitch it in every company that we are included in the decision making and prepared to embrace change. Take care of it when it comes. No surprises. Yes. That's my motto. Well, a surprise for support is a surprise for the customer, right? Yep. So if you value the customer, that support ought to be at the table um, because they're the ones who think about the customer the most, more than anyone else possibly. Um, so that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that's also why the kind of shift towards customer centricity that we spoke about earlier in the show is so compelling and so um, gratifying for the industry, right? Because I feel like to a certain extent, support leaders maybe had a gut feeling of, of this was the way. Um, you know, success and experience too. Those are, are more modern roles, admittedly. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we are seeing that shift now. So that's really, really cool. Um, Mara, this has been really fun. Like really fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed this one. Um, it's not very often that I can kind of kick back and just listen, but um, this was one of them. So thank you very much for your time. I really, really appreciate the insights. I'm sure the listeners will as well. And um, yeah, I hope to speak to you again. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Uh, well, I thank you so much, Sebastian, for, for inviting me. I hope that, that it was a valuable uh, podcast for listeners uh, out there. Uh, and if you're interested also uh, in understanding more about Pipedrive, do visit our website because we have an amazing tool waiting for you. Amazing. Well, thank you very much. Cheers. Have a wonderful day, guys. Bye-bye. This podcast is made possible by Kaizo. Kaizo is a performance management platform that helps customer support teams be more productive and engaged. If you're a Zendesk user, go to kaizo.com and book a demo today.